Scripture today comes from Acts chapter 15, verses 22 to 29. You always give me the long ones. <laughs> then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barsabbas, and Silas, men who were leaders among the believers. With them, they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds by what they said. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. Amen to his word this morning. There will be a short meeting of the legal officers after service today, and next week's service will begin with baptism. We'll have a baptism about 10.30, 10.34, then we'll have a little devotional, prayer time, and then um, we'll have the fun after that. So that's on schedule for next week. 1970s schoolhouse rock was probably one of the best Saturday mornings I had. Their goal was to educate young people about education, government, life, words. A few of them stick out in my mind that I like to listen to. One was the preamble to the Constitution. Second one was poor Bill. Bill who wanted to be a bill and become law just sit at the bottom of the steps the whole time until it became law for him to be recognized by society. Then there was one called interjection. Ouch, ouch, wow, that hurt. What are you doing? Oh, I think I love you. <laughs> but my favorite had to be conjunction, junction, what's your function? Now, the old uh, guy who ran the train, I guess you call him the conductor, comes out from the depot to sing his song about conjunctions. And as you look around, the train tracks are all empty. There's no carts on any of the tracks. And he begins to sing the song about conjunction. And when he sings this song, every now and then a track, a cart would come on the track. And he would sing something about this song. Till eventually when he became to the end of the song, the whole train track was filled with trains moving in one direction. They were all attached together by the conjunction. Words, phrases, all these things have meaning. So that by the end of this song, they're all moving as one in one direction. Conjunction, junction, what was your function? It was to bring these words, these meanings, and these phrases together to help the train move as one and do what it needed to do. I think this is what happened in here in Acts chapter 15 with the war that we're going to talk about. Even though the Lord Jesus Christ told the disciples to go and wait for the promise of the Father. He spoke to them about the persecution that was going to come. 
He spoke to how he was going to bless them and use them in their call of God. I don't believe they fathomed in their mind how God was really going to use them for his glory. But nonetheless, 120 went to an upper room. They pray and they seek God. The Bible says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They went out and they preached the word of God in 16 different languages to people from all over the known world who had come to worship in temple. I don't think they understood the power that God was using in their lives to preach this word. Or to go before governors and kings and testify the goodness of Jesus. I don't think they fully understood all the different kinds of people who would give up their way of life. Their living. Everything that they thought was right, they gave it all up because Jesus had come into their lives. How were they going to take care of that? The Lord Jesus, he called the rich, he called the poor, he called people from different cultures, different walks of life, and they all came together as one and gave to their brothers and sisters in Christ so that they could grow in him. I don't think they fully understood that when they would go into towns, the people would say they've turned the world upside down with their believing and their teaching. There's no way they could have known the full impact of what God wanted to do in their lives. So when we come to Acts chapter 15, a war breaks out. (coughs) Some Pharisees had come to the church of Antioch and they said, Unless you are circumcised and follow the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas in Acts 15 had a real problem with that. They said, That ain't true, my brothers. And so the church of Antioch, decided to do something about it. I'm going to guess the Church of the Brethren comes from the Church of Antioch. And I hope you guys will catch this. Because they sent out an old-fashioned Brethren inquiry. We're going to write to the headquarters in Jerusalem to answer this question. What we want to know is, do we have to keep the law of Moses? Do we have to be circumcised to be saved? The church in Antioch says, we're going to go to Jerusalem and find this out. They funded this inquiry. They sent Paul and Barnabas and a few other men with the Pharisees (coughs) to Jerusalem to find out what was going on. When Paul and Barnabas and these men arrive at Jerusalem, what we would call the church headquarters, (coughs) the apostles and disciples greeted them and hugged them as they talked about the work of God amongst the Gentiles. The Pharisees rose up and said they're not saved because they haven't kept the law. They haven't been circumcised according to the law of Moses. And so Peter jumps up and he tells a story. God had given him a dream or a vision, however you want to define it, And he brings down this unclean food. And he says, Peter, take and eat this stuff. And Peter says to the Lord, you know I won't do anything against your law. God says to Peter, what I've called clean, don't you call unclean. In Acts chapter 10, he goes to the house of Cornelius, a Roman citizen who is in the army. And he says, I don't know why God sent me here. Why am I here talking to you Gentiles? 
And he says, but God showed me in a vision, in a dream I was to come. <clears throat> As he's preaching the gospel to these Gentiles, the Holy Spirit falls on them. They were filled with the Spirit, just like the original 120 were. Peter tells this story to the council of what God had done in his life. The disciples step back and say, we want to hear what's going on. Paul and Barnabas <coughs> began to speak about what was happening in the lives of the Gentiles. And the Bible says after they held their peace, James stood up and said, here's my opinion. He says, Peter talks about his experience. Paul and Barnabas tell the story. And I see in the book of Amos, chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, that God is going to restore the kingdom of David. David had lost his family. There was no king to reign. He sees in Amos, chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, how God was going to restore the kingdom of David to his family. And he was going to call men from all nations to come serve and follow him. And he says, brothers, this is my ruling about the situation. He says three things to the brothers that they're going to send the letter out. <clears throat> One, don't worship idols. Man-made idols has been throughout biblical history. Man has always found something to worship that they can go to and look at and say, you're my God. Jew and Gentile can agree that man-made idols is not the way to go. He says, don't eat food mingled with blood. Strangled. This has happened in Genesis. When Noah and them were not to eat blood that was in animals. But in the law, you weren't supposed to do those things. And he said, stay away from that. And he said, stay away from fornication or sexual immorality. The first law they could all agree on, idol worship. The other two laws was more tolerance. What James was asking these Gentile brothers is, don't offend your brothers who've come to Christ in a Jewish faith. He says, would you do this for us? Don't offend or hurt them so that they can grow in the Lord. He says, we believe this is what God is speaking to us, and we're going to send this letter back to you. They send the letter back to Antioch and says, these men said they were from us, but they weren't. They said they spoke for us, but they don't. Here's what we write to you, fare ye well. You have been saved and accepted Christ the same way as the disciples. Why would we add anything on to you that we ourselves couldn't do? Three things brought James and the church to this decision. The first is experience. Peter had the experience of God speaking to him in a vision or dream. He saw that God filled them with the Holy Spirit just like he did the disciples. He had experienced that. That experience was confirmed by Paul and Barnabas in the work of God in the lives of the Gentiles. For after Peter said that, Paul Mark said, look what he's done. Look at the signs, the miracles, and the wonders that has happened at the preaching of the gospel. Experience, confirmation, and thirdly, biblical affirmation. James did not say, 
fulfillment of Amos chapter 9. He said, we've looked in Amos chapter 9. We saw the work of God. This is the work he's doing in the life of the church. All things are made new. All things are changed. And people are coming to Christ. Experience, confirmation, backed up by the word of God. So they write them this letter and tell them to follow these things. The Lord Jesus did not sit down as we see in the scriptures and say, you must keep this law, this law, and this law, and this law. He didn't tell them a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff they had to figure out by experience, prayer, and flat working it out together. But words and phrases have meaning. Words and phrases can unite us or they can divide us. Here's where I want to go with this. In the church of the brethren, we have no creed, so to speak, but the New Testament. Is that right? We have no creed but the New Testament. So we believe this God, this word is his word, and this word speaks to our hearts, and it speaks to our minds, and it directs us and guides us, and it's this word that we have to follow. So just as the disciples had to work things out, I believe we have to work things out as well. We believe that Jesus is the Christ. We believe that Jesus is the Lord, do we not? We've accepted him. We receive communion. But there's other things that we do as a group of believers that may not be particularly outlined so much in the scriptures. That is listed in our constitution of what we believe as a brethren congregation when people ask you where do you go to church and you tell them the first thing they might ask you is what do you believe why do you believe what you believe and how do you live that out then they might ask you do I have to give money that's always my favorite do I have to give money then they might ask you how do you dress I don't have a suit to go to church They look on the website, and the first place they go is, what do you believe? We have to define who we are as a congregation and what we believe the Word of God is speaking to us. Words and phrases have meaning. And when people go to the website, that's where they're going to look at our Constitution. And the preamble. Who are you? What do you believe? Why do you believe it? And where are you going to go? We will be the Oak Street Brethren. What does that mean, Oak Street Brethren? What kind of brethren are you? How do you live out your brethren faith? Where are you going and what are you doing? So over the next several weeks, not next week, but the weeks after, I'm going to go over parts of the Constitution of what we say we believe. I'm going to try to bring it through the Word of God and flesh it out. Please pray for me because this is a monumental task. And keep in mind, I was not raised in the Brethren tradition. So if you're going to come at me, call Amy first because she'll set you straight. She is my great protector. 
But we have to go into the future with who we are as a church and a congregation. We can no longer stay in the past. We have to move forward. And we're going to move forward through our Constitution. I'm going to ask the board to take time to look at the Constitution. Cut it up. Put your reflections in on it. What do you think? I've already asked the legal officers to do it. I've asked Chris and Allie. They helped me put this thing together, start cutting this thing up. Let's look at who are we as a church and where do we want to go in the future. I've listed four things we want to do as brethren. Worship, giving, government, tradition, the name of the church. We'll define us as brethren. But I'm asking you to work with me because this is going to be very important in our future. This is what people are looking at the websites. They're not going to come to your church. They're going to see who you are and what you believe. I'm asking you to go with me. And as far as I know, the way the government works, the council has final decision on any decision that's made. But the board represents council as to those decisions. I'm asking you to take part with me as we work together as a congregation to make these words and phrases work for the glory of God. Every church wants to reach the lost man, and that's what we do when we share the gospel outside the confines of the building. But I'm telling you, there's a segment of brethren, men and women out there who are struggling. I really believe this. Who don't know what brethren church to go to because it's so fractured and so hurt. I want to reach out to them to say here you have a home not going to do everything you're asking but here's the things that we believe as brethren and this is the direction we believe God is calling us to go into and as we do that I believe in my heart God will bless it and God will use it these words these phrases this mission statement it has meaning and we need some conjunction junction to make that stuff function so God can use us for his glory. The word of God is what we go to first. We will not leave the word of God. But what we believe and how we believe it and how we live that out is what God puts on our heart to do. So I'm asking you to go with me into the future on this journey. I hope I haven't overstepped my bounds in my role in the congregation, but I'm going this direction. We have to go forward in our faith. We have to grow in him, know him, learn him, serve him, get in that word, and live that thing out. And we do it through what we say we believe in our Constitution. The disciple says, we never put this on you, but these three things we're asking you to do. And he wished them well. And the church grew. Paul and Barnabas went back. The church rejoiced. And it went out and done the work of God. We want to do the same thing in obedience to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Feel free to talk to a legal officer, a deacon, whoever you want to. But I'm asking you to work with me on our Constitution as we move forward. We're not changing the structure. It may be some words or things that you guys thought you did but you didn't do. Or you do, that ain't in the Constitution. But it's all going to be around how we understand the Word of God, 
and it's going to start with the preamble. We are a brethren congregation. Now, how do we flesh that out? I'm asking you to go with me on this journey and let God use us and we go forward to please him and honor him and to say to our brothers and sisters who are hurting, just like the disciples said to those Gentile churches that were struggling because people come in and said, this is what you have to be. I'm asking you to go with me and just to say you have a home here with us. Let us pray this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for Acts chapter 15 and the discussion of the disciples. Experience, confirmation, confirmed by the word of God is how your people are to live. This is what we believe as brethren. We're led by the Holy Spirit. We have experience in our lives, but the word, we want to live out the word. I'm asking you to use the Oak Street Brethren for your glory to reach those brethren who are hurting and feel like they've lost what it means to be brethren because of all the bickering and fighting. Let us be, Lord. Let us be a lighthouse to say, you're welcome here. Let us reach out to them. We always want to reach out to the lost man and say, Jesus Christ is Lord and he's the only way to heaven. But there are men and women in the faith who are hurting and struggling. Let us minister to them. Let us be in one mind and one heart, even when we begin to argue and bicker and fight about all this stuff. In the end, we want to send out our constitution out on the airwaves, just like the disciples sent that letter back to the church of Antioch and says, live for the Lord, our brothers and sisters, be filled with the spirit of the living God and let Christ dwell and work in you. Let us do the same thing here in this church at this time for your glory and your honor, Lord. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus for whom we give praise and thanks. Amen.